Good morning. Oh, I love coming to church, worshiping God together. Every time I come, my expectation is that I will leave different than how I came in. And uh, I bet you're probably the same way. Hey, we want to welcome you as well, online church. Glad that you are with us today, too. Well, how many of you love a good fish story? Do you, any of you like a good fish story? You, you'll notice how fish stories start here, and then they, as each time they get talked about, they get bigger. Well, I want to tell you a couple of fish stories really quick. Uh, one, and both of these, I, you know, I can verify. Okay, here's the first one. Was fishing on the Columbia River with a friend, Mike Jensen, and he caught a fish as big as his boat. Okay? Well, let, let's watch it. I have video footage of it. I was there on the boat taking the video. All right, Dad. Seems like you got him. Oh, so here he oh. is. That's a sturgeon. Just hold on to him. Oh, there we go. Got it? Good. Hey, look, my camera's on the floor back here. Do you want to come over here and hold him by the mouth? Sure. Can I let the rod down? So, you know, it started here and it just, it grew. The story grew. It's... It was real big fish. Okay, here's the, here's the other one. My grandpa, Paul Odiekirk, Gramps, caught, he was a master angler. He caught a fish up in Manitou, Canada in 1962, and I'll show you a photo of it. It was the second largest fish in North America. It's a trout, and uh, 52 pounds, 4 ounces and he's pretty proud of that thing because they turned it into a calendar and everything. Now, I didn't get any of those genes. When I catch fish, they're normally about that big. I want to tell you a story, a fish story today that comes out of the scripture. It's true. It's Luke chapter 5. It's a miracle story of Jesus with four fishermen. And we're talking about in this series, it's a series about comebacks. And we're talking about how God can take our setbacks and turn them into comebacks. And maybe this morning you're experiencing an area of setback. Maybe it's in a relationship or it's in an area of, of your future that you've been hoping for and things have changed. Uh, possibly it's in your job or your finances. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little more this morning. Uh, matter of fact, I heard uh, we as, uh, as a state might take a setback in the, uh, some of the restrictions with, with uh, have you heard that at all? But I, I heard that. And I just want to assure you that we're going to continue to meet. Uh, I believe that what we provide are some essential spiritual services, baptisms, discipleship, worship, worshiping of, of God. And so next Sunday we will be here and we will be meeting and so just so you know that in advance. Well, let's look this morning at this financial miracle that God did for these four business owners. And it's found in Luke chapter 5, if you have a Bible, or you can uh, scroll down on uh, the Bible app. So let me give you a little background. First of all, Peter and Andrew were brothers along with James and John. And they went into business together, these four guys. They were in northern Israel on the beautiful lake of Galilee. Now, this lake had multiple names, had three different names, Sea of Galilee, it's called the Lake Gennesaret, and also called the Sea of Tiberias. 
at this point, we catch the story where Andrew and Peter, James and John, uh, these guys aren't yet followers of Jesus. And yet Jesus is going to call them to become his followers. And he's going to provide a miracle that is really going to connect with who they are and where they're at in life. Uh, on this particular occasion, they have been out all night working hard at their business. Now, they weren't particularly interested in Jesus or uh, religion or church or any of that. They were really just trying to be successful in business. They were trying to make money, trying to get ahead, trying to pay their bills. Uh, and many of us can relate to that. Well, they had been up all night long, working hard, tending to their nets, doing everything they could. They, these were expert anglers, and they caught nothing, zero. They are discouraged. They are exhausted and totally spent. And maybe you're here this morning, and you can relate to that. You feel tired. You feel exhausted. You feel like just all of the changes that have hit your life, hit our country, is just created the sense of discouragement in your life. Well, with very little energy left, Jesus comes into their life. He comes along and he um, actually asks if he could use one of their boats. Let's read the story together, found in Luke chapter 5. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, with the people crowded around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. Now he gets into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat sitting in the boat. Jesus is about to choose these four disciples. And he's going to ask them to leave their business and to follow him. But he has a plan in the meantime to get their attention in a major way by performing a miracle. In verse 4, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now launch out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now remember, they had been up all night long fishing. These are experts. They caught nothing. They had already come back. They had already cleaned up their nets, put away all of their tackle, which takes hours. And remember that they're discouraged. And they tell Jesus. You know, it's like saying if you're in sales or in business, you know, we haven't made a sale. We haven't closed a deal. We haven't sold a home. We haven't uh, signed a contract. And, you know, if you're in business, you don't sell, you don't eat. Now, we don't know if this, this particular discouragement affected their income for the day or the week or the quarter, but these guys are pretty depressed. And sometimes that happens in life. We work hard, we do everything we know to do, and we still kind of come up short. And yet, this miracle that Jesus performs has a lot to teach us. It, sa it says this in the scripture, after Jesus finished speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep water to let down your nets for a catch. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets begin to break. And now they have a different kind of problem. So they signaled their partners, that was James and John, who were in the other boat, come over, help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that the fish, with fish, that it began to sink. I mean, after a long night of a setback, 
Here comes this comeback in a way that they could never have imagined. And it creates almost like a new set of problems. They caught more in 10 minutes with Jesus in their boat than they had spent all night, 10 hours, trying to do it on their own. And that's the first thing that I think we can learn as we look at this story and look at this miracle and look at the response of these four not yet disciples of Jesus is give Jesus full access to your boat. Now their boat represented their vocation. It represented their business. It represented their income, their livelihood. Does Jesus have full access to your job, your vocation, your school direction, your income, your livelihood? See, the the difference here is that Jesus was in the boat. Jesus got into one of the boats. And that's the, the starting point if you really want to come back in your life is to say, I'm not talking about just asking Jesus into your heart, that very well may be the very first step that you need to do. But I'm, I'm talking about having him direct your whole life to be Lord of all of it. Notice the difference here, same boat, same net, same water, same fish. The difference is Jesus is now in the boat. Have you given him complete access to your direction? to your life, to your heart, and to your job, to your income. It all starts by just recognizing God is the owner of everything anyways. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the fish in the sea. means that he owns everything. The creativity you have, the energy you wake up with and go and do a job, the intelligence that you have. Anything you have that allows you to earn money is because God has graced you with that. And he's the owner, and we are the stewards. See, Simon was a fisherman, and uh, so his profession, his job was commercial fishing. Means that you dedicate your career, your business, your job, your school, your work, your income back to God. And then you trust him for the comeback that you need. Peter did that. And what we see is that the very first thing we see Jesus doing is Jesus started using what Peter had that represented his business as a way to minister to other people. When you think of your job, maybe you're a nurse or you're a salesman or you're a a realtor or a doctor or you're a school teacher or whatever it is that you are, Starbucks barista, do you see your job as a platform for Jesus to do ministry through your life. It doesn't even have to be something you're in that you go, oh, this is my life direction, the thing I have most passion for in life. No, it may be something you see as just a very temporary thing, but God wants to use what you do as a platform to lead other people to him. And we see that. We see that right here happening. What do you want God to bless in your life? you want them to bless your time, then you put your time first in the day. Maybe you do a, 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 a quiet time with God every day. Do you want him to bless your week? Give him the first day of the week. That's called a Sabbath, where you take one day out of every week 
and you trust him with it. You don't work. You celebrate life and you celebrate God. You want him to bless your money? Well, you give him a tithe. You give him the first part of your income. Uh, tithe means 10%. 10% of my income, it goes back to God because I'm trusting God can do more with the 90 with, with the 90% I have than me trying to manage it all on my own. I'd rather trust God with the 90 than me trying to figure out the 100. Tithe is a part of a weekly rhythm that we build into our spiritual life. It becomes part of our worship. And it's one of the most practical forms of worship that you can experience. It's where we give and we trust God with the rest. And we give to God to minister to people, minister in our community, minister through the local church. Tithing helps disciple people, children, youth, adults, feed the hungry, clothe the poor. It does all kinds of things. And let me just say while I'm here, just to pause and say thank you for those of you who do that. Those of you who have trusted God in the area of your finances, Thank you. We do what we do as a church and can minister to our community and world because of you. And if you've not yet stepped into that, and uh, I just want to challenge you to trust God in this area of your life. One of the most practical ways. See, the world just says you always need a little bit more to be happy. And yet, when we put God first, we're saying, God, I'm not, I don't love money. I love you, and I'm going to follow you. Listen to what God says in Malachi chapter 3 and compare it to what we're reading here in Luke chapter 5. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that's the local church, so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the window of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. I'll pour out more blessing than you have enough room to take in. That is exactly what happened in Luke 5, is that it began to sink their boats. They, God had done such a great thing. Now, here's the second thing that we see and we can learn from this particular miracle. Admit your efforts come up short. Albert Einstein once said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. You see, if I want to move from setback to comeback, I have to admit that my efforts maybe just aren't working and I need a new approach. I can't just keep trying to do the same thing and control the uncontrollables and hope for something new to happen. Luke 5, verse 4 and 5 says, When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets. A different way of thinking about it. They hadn't done that. Simon Peter answers, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. Now, do you realize how hard it must have been for Peter to have admitted as an expert at what he did, a professional in his particular vocation, to say, all of my efforts have come to nothing. And that's the very thing that we need to do in our life is to not allow pride to get in the way. Pride to say, I'll figure this out. God, if I need your help, I'll let you know. That's pride. 
the pride that says, I ought to know better. I ought to know what to do. I ought to make this work. I... Pride is ignoring God and his word, thinking that our way will figure out our own life. Maybe it's time to listen. Maybe it's time to listen to your wife or your husband. Maybe it's time to listen to your business partner or your employees. Maybe it's time to listen and say, I need some new information and I need to try something new and something different and I need most of all to listen to God. See, prayer isn't just asking God for things. Prayer is listening to God. It's getting in a place where we give time and we give space and then we listen for God's voice, for God's prompting to lead us in a direction that might even feel new or different. See, there's so many uncontrollables in our life. You can't control the weather. You can't control your car from blowing a gasket. You can't control the boss you're going to end up with. You can't control all the kinds of things that have to do with COVID. You can't control your aging process. Look at me. You can't control everything, right? So what do you need to do? Well, we need Jesus in our boat, and we need to admit that that we're not in control. We need to admit that our best efforts fall short. And sometimes we miss out on God's blessing because we're choosing to ignore God and his ways. See, if you want to see God turn emptiness into fullness, you want to see a setback turn into a comeback, then it means giving God total access and admitting that your efforts fall short. God's forgiveness starts at the point of my humility, my honesty, and my need for God. Here's the next thing, third thing. Do whatever Jesus tells you to do. I mean, if we're going to learn anything from this particular miracle story, it's that. Do whatever he tells you to do. Where, however, even if it's illogical, even if it doesn't make sense, it did not make sense to these guys to do what Jesus asked them to do. And it may appear stupid by other people's measurement, make no logical sense, make no financial sense, make no emotional sense. And it may feel scary. Master, we fished all night and caught nothing. Catch this phrase. But because you say so. I obey Jesus when it doesn't make sense. But it says, no matter what. Jesus tells them to launch out into the deep. And, and Simon says, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. We're empty. We've come up with nothing. But because you say so, I'll do it. Trusting the word of God. Trusting that God is smarter than you. Trusting, even when it feels uncomfortable and irrational, being a Christian, being a Christ follower who says, but because you say so, Lord. Now here's the thing, Jesus, Jesus in the boat. That's not enough, it's Jesus navigating the boat. Notice what Peter does and notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't say, Jesus, been there, done that. I'm the expert. 
you know like how to make furniture. Why don't you stick with end tables and I'll do the fishing? And No, he invites him in to the area of his business, into his direction, into his methods, and even into his money. And when you do that, when you become that type of person, because you say so, God, God can bless your life. Peter doesn't argue. He doesn't hesitate. He just launches out into the deep. And by the way, when Jesus said, Peter, launch out into the deep, that means take a risk. There are so many people who just want to live in the shallows of their life, even in the shallows of their Christian experience, and just stay where it feels comfortable and where it feels safe and where we understand everything. And yet without faith, faith pleases God and faith represents a risk. It feels safer to just kind of dock in the shallows, doesn't it? One of the reasons God may be allowing a setback in your life right now is because he's trying to force you into the deep. He's trying to help you follow him into a place of unknown. And he loves you too much to just let you live and camp out in the shallows of your life. Obeying Jesus when it doesn't make sense, when it feels risky, when it feels uncomfortable, when others may not even understand it but it may also lead to the greatest blessings in your life. And then as you do those things, as you, Jesus is in your boat, he's directing it, and you're saying yes to him at every turn, you can expect Jesus to turn things around. Peter is quivering with anticipation. I mean, all of the fatigue and all of the frustration, it begins to melt away, and he begins to think, Jesus is in my boat. He's directing things. He's, guy, he's not afraid to take a risk. We're going where he wants to go. And he's telling me, let down your nets. And that's what I'm going to do. See, the mission of Peter's life is quickly changing from just about doing business, making money, saving for the future, paying his bills. And now it becomes about the Jesus mission. And it becomes about his purpose. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. They couldn't handle the blessing. They had to signal their partners to come over and help them. There was so much that God had done in their life. They could not contain it, meaning they had to share it. They had to give some of it away or else they would have sank. Sunk. How's that work? Someone will come up and tell me afterwards. Luke 5, 8, and 9. When Simon Peter saw this, the miracle of these fish... He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Now, how does it go from such an exciting, miraculous, bank accounts are full now, to a place where Jesus is like all morose, and he's like, Jesus, go away from me. It's because he came in contact with the grace of God. It's the grace, the gift of God. I don't care if you were raised in a Christian home and you had a wonderful upbringing or if you lived your life doing wrong and getting addicted and ending up in prison. It doesn't matter what part of the continuum you are on. When you encounter the grace of God, you will see your own sinfulness and God's goodness. And you'll see 
God, you are just too good. I don't deserve this blessing. I don't even deserve to be in your presence. I don't deserve your love. And then, of course, Jesus Jesus says, don't be afraid. Luke 5, 9 says, for he, that's Peter and his companions, they're astonished at the catch of fish and they had, that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And yet Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. And he would say that today as well. Don't be afraid. His grace in your life, his love in your life, it's unconditional. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on how good you can be or how good, what kind of good things you can do for others. His love, his grace is given to you because of what Jesus did on the cross. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to catch men. In other words, from now on, I'm going to be a part of your life and your life purpose. The miracle, the miracle is not really about the money or the possessions or the financial success. It's about God's purpose being played out in your life. It's about God using you at your job. God being the owner of all you have. You entering into this grand adventure of faith with him. And it says in Luke 5, 10, they pulled up their boats onto the shore and what? They left everything and they followed Jesus. This is crazy. We're talking the biggest catch, the biggest deal of these guys' lives. The biggest miracle in their business that they had been waiting for all of their lives just happened and now they leave it all behind and they follow Jesus. See, when you move from a setback to a comeback, you have to be willing to follow Jesus and leave everything else behind. Meaning that you follow the blesser and not the blessing. And too often we get so wrapped up in the blessing. I want my life to be blessed. I want blessing. I want blessing. But are you following the blesser? Because when Jesus is in your boat, he's the one who will provide the blessing. Let me just get real personal as we wrap things up here. I know that God is calling some of you to have Jesus come into your life, into your boat, into your career, your job, your school, your direction, into your heart, to not just have a prayer that secures your eternity, but to say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord, captain of the ship. I want you to direct everything in my life. For some, God's calling you as a practical expression of your faith to begin tithing because you've been afraid to. You've been holding on, afraid, fearful of what, will I have enough? And God is saying, prove me, test me in this. Still others, I believe, are in a career right now. It pays really well. And God may be asking you to actually leave it because you don't even like it. You're doing it for the money. And God may have something else for you, but it's going to mean you have to take a risk. You have to be willing to maybe even live on less and go and do what God has gifted you to do, what God has purposed in your heart to do, but you're just too scared to go try it and do it. Whatever it is, let our hearts just be, God, 
because you say so. You are my source and you are my God. Let's pray together. Would you bow your head with me? Oh God, I've worked all night and come up short. Forgive me for my pride. Forgive me, God, for just thinking I ought to be able to manage my life and manage my circumstances and manage my outcomes and manage it all. And Lord, I'm just humbly coming to you this morning and saying, Lord, I can't do that. And I do come up short and I have sinned. And Lord, I need your grace. Come into my life. Come into the boat, Lord. Be the captain. Direct me. Direct my school. Direct my career. Direct my job. Help my job become a place, a platform of ministry. Show me how to do that, Lord. It's confusing at times, and I, I want it to be so. I want to be a person who says, because you say so, Lord, Maybe there's even someone here that just needs to ask Jesus into your life for the first time to really be the Lord, the leader, the forgiver of your sin. I invite you to just pray this. Jesus, I'm saying yes to you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. I acknowledge you as Lord and God. And Lord, I don't feel worthy of your love, but I'm receiving it today. We say yes and amen to you, God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, we have the privilege of celebrating a baptism right now with Wes Bantelin. And uh, I love baptisms. They always remind me of the power of transformation. That I'm, when I go under the water, you're dying to an old self an old direction, an old self-led life to coming out of the water representing a resurrected life, a new purpose, a new life where Jesus is leading the way. So as Wes comes out of the water, let's make sure and celebrate with him. Let's worship God.
moment to declare this and let's stand. Let's thank Jesus for exactly what happened in this room today.
We give thanks today. We give thanks that one of your sons gave his life back to you, God, and we celebrate that. Today is just day one, and he is going to go out and do great things, and we pray for him to go boldly and speak your name. And I ask a blessing over us as a church to guide him through these next days and steps, Lord. We are celebrating with you, Jesus, and we thank you, and we love you. Amen. We hope you enjoyed your time with us today. We have host pastors that are ready to engage with you. So if the message impacted you, if you would like some prayer or to talk more about getting connected at our church, be sure to click the prayer button or the connect button on the screen. So glad you're with us today. We'll see you next time.
We hope you enjoyed your time with us today.